This is the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen. And on today's episode, my guest is John Hickey, who covers the A's for SI.com. And we discuss what a 60-game season will look like, how it affects the 2020 A's, the A's 60-man player pool for the season, and much more. During these trying times, Chase Chevrolet is still open and here to serve you. With their Easy Pass service, you can shop online and have your new pre-owned vehicle delivered right to your door. Learn more at chasechevrolet.com/easypass. Pleasure to be joined by uh, John Hickey, who covers the A's for SI.com Sports Illustrated. You can follow him at jhickey3 on Twitter. Uh, John, I, I, seems like we're going to get baseball soon, but I appreciate you joining me in the meantime. It's been the weirdest non-baseball season ever. I mean, that's simple. It's simple. It's true. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no doubt. So what, what is your, like, what, what's the time look like for you since, since March, since everything shut down? Well, you know, spring training was going along and uh, you kept hearing reports of, of, if you follow the news, of reports out of China and this. And, but it didn't really hit until it, it just just sort of an avalanche in the space of about four days uh the nba had some r- reported uh, covid cases and all of a sudden everything got shut down i mean and not just baseball i mean broadway got shut down it's like and you know and then we've had uh, we've had nothing but but plans that never seem to uh 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 get going but finally we have a plan that, that seems like maybe it'll happen now i think you have to be dubious about about not about the plan per se because you have to have a plan but the coronavirus is going to do what it's going to do and yeah. it decides that uh, the baseball players are are prime uh, to be to be hit then that's the way it goes well, it seems like, I mean, they're, they're, they will have to deal with some positive tests. I mean, golf came back three weeks ago. They've already had uh, two positive tests that I know of, and that's a, that's a sport where you can socially distance pretty easy. I mean, golf courses here have been open for a couple months. Yeah, I mean, um, I personally don't think it's a, it's a great idea to, to, to go golfing in a, in a pandemic, but it's certainly better than playing baseball or football. And, and the thing I think that you – Football really has to be praying that baseball gets off without a hitch because yeah. if baseball can't make a go of it, you're never going to see a football game played in 2020. Right. I and mean, that's, they, you know, I know they're, they're planning on a schedule in the NFL and, and, uh, and major colleges, a lot of them want to play, but you know, this is a sport where you're, you know, head to head in your face, uh, bodily fluids all over the place and people bleeding. And no, nah, that's, that's that's going to be real tough if if baseball, which is basically, um, yeah, well, we get the pitcher and the uh, the catcher and the hitter are close together and the umpires there, but other than that, you can pretty much stay away. And if baseball can't make a go of it, football doesn't have a chance. Well, that's going to be the interesting thing, right? I mean, because like we said, there's going to be positive tests. It it, it I guess it, it depends on at what point Rob Manfred said says that's enough you know if, if there are too many tests if it if it gets to be a point where it's out of control I mean what happens then you know I mean if, if baseball has to shut down well I think it's interesting that they took they originally were going if you recall for for 30-man roster and a 20-man taxi squad now they when they final result they have a 60-man taxi squad and I think it's because 
if you if you have to shut down your entire 30 man main op, op operation you theoretically could take the the guys who've been sequestered someplace else in this case maybe it's Stockton mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know have them play games in in Sacramento or Portland or someplace that that where the you know the uh, coronavirus isn't isn't as big an issue but that's just a guess and I think it's one thing for me to guess I'm, I'm a writer and it's what I do but I think I think baseball executives are guessing these guys are not immunologists you know they don't they can only listen to what the what you know dr fauci says and 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 hope he's hope he's right when he guesses and he admits yeah. that sometimes he's he has to guess because you don't know the 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 virus like any other virus is going to do what it's going to do that, that's 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 really the struggle this whole thing is no one knows for sure not even the experts i mean this thing is so new uh, that, like you said, even Dr. Fauci is guessing at some at sometimes. One thing we do though know, though, John, is it looks like baseball is going to try and get off the ground. Uh, and you know, it took us a while to get there. It's been kind of a winding road to get to this point where Rob Manfred implemented this the sixty game season. But through all the negotiations, we know the CBA is up at the end of twenty twenty one. Where does this leave baseball? You know, the union and the league when when it does come point to hammer out this new deal oh it's going to be bloody it's going to be bad um this year the season didn't start because of coronavirus it would surprise about almost nobody if it didn't start next year because there was either a strike or a lockout Mm -hmm. the owners have done very well in the last few negotiations the players are feeling a sense of renewed uh simpatico with each other they're all more on the same page maybe than they've been in a while. And they're they're not gonna give anymore. And the owners are are gonna um, I think the owners are gonna have to blink and they're they're not gonna blink right away, that's for sure. Well, we've seen lockouts have been a pretty effective strategy, right? In the NFL, or at least the threat of lockouts even in the NFL yeah. and the NHL. I mean, that's been an effective strategy that owners have used. Yeah, I and that's that's the problem. Um, but it's, it's, see the problem for me, the problem is that most baseball executives, and I include this Manfred among this, they're not baseball friendly. I mean, they're, they're, these are guys who came in from, from the business world and from the legal world. And that's what they know. And they're, they're good at what they know, but they don't have an, an inner commitment to baseball. And that's a, that's a problem for me and, and I imagine for a lot of baseball fans because nope. they, don't, they don't consider the success or failure of baseball as a whole, but rather just the success or failure of their slice of baseball. And that's, um, you know, they're good at what they do, but what they do it doesn't, isn't necessarily good. Well, that's, that's the frustrating thing, right? Because there's no doubt that there's been a decline in popularity with baseball over the last 5, 10, maybe even 15 years, especially with the younger generation. I mean, do you get a sense that, you know, maybe at some point they'll come to the realization that all this is maybe hurting their long-term product? I don't, because that, I don't think they learn very easily. And by and large, these are people who have, um, have money and who are used to being obeyed. And um, 
they don't like it when 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 they don't get to call their uh, their own shots. Um, I'm I'm a pessimist where where owners and uh, are concerned. They uh, they are who they are, and it's not great for the game. But you know you got to deal with it. All right. Well, let's let's get to baseball because. I've had about enough of this talk over the last like month and a half, John, that I can handle seeing it on the news, hearing it on podcasts, what have you. I mean, it's a reality, uh-huh. uh, but I'm ready to get to baseball. And hopefully this 60-game schedule can, can you know, get all the way through uh, without a stoppage. But you, I mean, you look at that, a 60-game schedule. This is a sprint. Mm-hmm. What's your feel on, on what type of team this benefits? And, and bringing it back to the A's, uh, who have traditionally been a slow-starting team, how does it affect them? Well, I, mean, I, I talked with, with Bob Melvin about that the other day, and he, he was of the impression that, well, you know, we've got guys who've been around for a few years and et cetera, et cetera, and we'll be, we'll be fine. We need to get out of the gate early. And, but, you know, the re, there are teams that have traditions, and the Oakland tradition is to start kind of slow. Uh, in a 60-game season, I think the, they're going to – they would at least be – a 28, 29, 30-win team, even if they stumble all over themselves. And that would probably get them into the playoffs. But, you know, they're, um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to know what they're going to do. I, I have to be convinced that they're going to get, get out of the gate quickly. And, and, Houston, and Houston, on the other hand, is, has, a, has a history of it. And they have, you know, with the exception of Garrett Cole, which, you know, and you're going to miss a guy who was 20 and five, but they'll get out of the gate gate pretty quickly, I would think. And I was just looking it up today for a story I'm doing for later. Uh, that Garrett Cole actually, uh, even though he was 20 and five, he started the season one and four last year, which I didn't remember. So his first 60 games weren't that great, but he was his last 60 games 10 and 0. He was unbelievable. I mean, he yeah. was as close to unhittable as I've seen over the last five years. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how the Astros fare without him. Yeah, I mean, everybody sort of assumes that the Astros are, are locked, but and I yeah they got Granky uh, Zach Granky there in addition to Verlander, but mm-hmm. boy missing missing Cole that's going to be that's going to be a bitch because that's he's he was just a dynamo and and you don't they don't come around that often. Let's not forget too that I, I know Justin I. And he's, you know, I think he's scheduled to start the season at this point, you know, when, when the season gets going in later July. But I know Justin Verlander was battling some health issues in, in spring training. Uh, Zach Granke maybe showed a couple chinks. I mean, he's still, listen, he's still a frontline starter, but maybe he's not what he was a few years ago. No, it's been 10 years since, uh, since he won the Cy Young. And, and, you know, everybody gets older and everybody, I mean, he knows how to pitch. He's got good stuff, but the dominant – Day, day in and day out dominance, that, that's hard to do. That's hard to do over over uh, a 10 or 12 year period. And he's good, but he's not the Zach that he was. What do you make of the uh, of the, the the kind of uneven schedule and how this is going to affect the A's? Obviously, 10 games each against each one of their uh, division rivals, including the Astros and, mm-hmm. and the Angels. You know, I mean, that's the other thing about this short schedule. There are going to be some teams that can cover up some flaws in just 60 games, and the Angels are kind of one that comes to mind for me, a very good offense, obviously. But, 
you know, some questions uh, on the mound as, as usual. And then four games each against the NL West, which we're going to see the Dodgers, San Diego and Colorado, maybe even Arizona or a couple other teams that uh, fall into the same category as me, as the, for me as the Angels, John, where you can cover up some flaws in just 60 games and maybe use some of those young players when it comes to, you know, like the Padres. So how does this schedule, 60 games, and considering the teams the A's are going to be playing, where do you think that puts the A's in terms of not just the division, but the wild card and an uneven schedule? You know, I mean, the Rays aren't, you know, for example, the Tampa Bay Rays aren't playing the same teams the A's are. Yeah. Uh, the Chicago White Sox, who were thought to be maybe an up-and-coming mm-hmm. club, aren't playing the same teams the A's are. So, you know, where does this put the A's in terms of scheduling and who they're going to be playing? Well, it's sort of, it's sort of a problem because teams um, <clears throat> teams like the Giants and the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers um, you won't see them. You're, you know, you're only going to play them a handful of times. Mm-hmm. But these are all teams that you know, and the are built for the uh, anybody can get hot for for three weeks. You know, um, even bad teams can do that. And um, and these aren't bad teams. These are teams that you know, are looking for the right you know the right moment. And maybe you can turn that three weeks into five weeks. And then all of a sudden, you're in the playoffs. So. Um, I think I think it's going to be a real issue for for teams like Oakland, who know they're good, to uh, to beat back the charge of the teams who think they want to be good, and um, you know, and a team like the Angels, yeah, that would be a, they're, they're going to be a problem. I would I would think a team like the Mariners, I would think, would not yeah be as major an issue because they just they don't have the experience and. Uh, and they don't have the, the bodies, but, you know, check back in a couple of years. <laughs> well, that's going to be the crazy – I mean, you mentioned a few good weeks. I heard Jake Diekman on uh, Buster Olney's podcast a few days ago saying how he heard – you know, the, the math works out where a five-game losing streak in a 60-game schedule is essentially the same as a 17-game losing streak Yeah, in, in, a, in a 162-game schedule. Every, every game in a 60-game uh, schedule is worth 2.7 games mathematically. Mm-hmm. So a, a four-game losing streak here is essentially a 13-game lo- losing streak. And <clears throat> um, everybody's going to have four-game losing streaks. The question is you better not have very many of them. Yeah, a couple bad weeks, and you're basically out of the playoffs. Yeah, and that's, and that's, that's going to be a problem for a lot of teams when they, 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 uh, they talking about baseball executives, decided that, they go with with ten teams in the playoffs instead of sixteen. Yeah. You know, I'm not a, a huge fan of having everybody in, on the planet just show up and be in the playoffs. This this particular scenario, sixty games, I can see it. And of course, that's the one time they decide not to do it. But you know, they don't check in with me very often. Right. No, I totally. I think a lot of people are on the same page, and that I think that's why it was so kind of shocking to me that the players didn't take that original offer from the league for 60 games when Tony Clark and, and Buster Olney had the meeting or Buster mm. got Buster Olney on the mind, yeah. Tony Clark and uh, Rob Manford had the meeting in Arizona and they had the expanded playoffs on the table. This is the one year it makes sense. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, having 16 teams make the playoffs after 162 games, that doesn't make much sense to me after 60 games. I mean, there's going to be some good teams that could be left out of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you only have to look at the 81 season when it was divided in half and, uh, the, the Dodgers and the Reds, uh, or the, excuse me, the Reds uh, had the best record in, 
in uh, the National League, but did but finished second in both both the first half and second half and didn't make the playoffs. Right. You know, you're gonna have you're gonna have weird weird stuff like that, and there's just nothing you can do about it. And even with a one game wild card, I mean, you 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 could see a team like the White Sox sneak into that one game wild card and get hot for a couple of weeks and. And win the whole thing. Okay, so you you wrote uh, before, you, before you get off the wild card. I want to say one thing about the wild card. There won't be a one game wild card because okay. in a sixty game season, you could have. It's very easy to have three teams finish with the same record, twenty eight and thirty two. Mm-hmm. Say say for example, now they're going to have to play each other, and they're going to be a whole bunch of one game wild cards. There won't just be one. That's I'm just I'm going on record as saying that right now. There'll be multiple wildcard games because teams are going to have to play their way in because, you know, the, it, you're going to be hard to separate. It might not be hard to separate the very best teams and the very worst teams, but the middle teams are all going to have about the same record. What's your take on the one-game wild card? Um, not a fan. Uh, they, you know, football is a one-game game. Yeah. Uh, basketball, not so much. Uh, hockey, yeah, maybe, but – Baseball is a series game, and if you can't at least play three games, then you haven't, um, you know, you haven't shown either team at, the, at their best performance. You know, if you have one starting pitcher and he happens to be um, um, ready to go that day, then you're fine. Um, but if you have three uh, starting pitchers, but they pitched the last three days to get you there, and you've got to go with a number four guy who's who was in AAA three weeks ago, you know, that's a problem. Yeah. It feels kind of like a made-for-TV event for one game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's the perfect time to purchase a new car today at Chase Chevrolet. Take advantage now of model year-end inventory reduction prices and supplier pricing on select 2019 vehicles. You can always count on Chase Chevrolet for the best prices, best service, and easiest car buying experience. And now, back to our episode. All right, so let's tie this to the 2020s because you you had an interesting article uh, just a few days ago about how this may be Bob Melvin's best team right, talent-wise. And you made a good point in that story that the A's have kind of been building for 2020 with the arrival of guys like A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazardo, and now it turns out Sean Murphy and having guys like Matt Chapman and Matt Olson and Marcus Simeon in the big leagues and entering their prime after having a couple of years of big league experience. Uh, so what do you think? Is this, is this the best team on paper under Bob Melvin? I think it might be. Uh, the 2013 team was very good. Um, but it didn't have the defense that this team has. I didn't actually write about the defense in that story, uh, but this might be the best defensive team that Oakland has put together in three decades. You know, if you look at you look at the guys at the corners, uh, uh, Chapman and Olson, uh, the progress that Simeon has made to make himself a Gold Glove uh, nominated player. Uh, Loreano and center. Um, these are these are guys who have really good game. Piscotti is, is in right field is, is is a real good player. I tell you what, I am ever more impressed by Mark Canna. Yeah, uh, the what he did in center field last year, mm-hmm. I would not have believed, but he did a really nice job. And um, you know, and 
in a 60 game season, if you make, um, I don't know, 30 errors and, or if you make 20 errors, those 10, 10 errors are going to make a huge difference. You know, it could, could be the difference between make, making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. No, I'm glad you, you touched on Mark Hanna. I was looking at his numbers actually earlier today and his career OPS. Like we think of Steven Piscotti as a really solid everyday player, borderline all-star, right? Yeah. Mark Hanna has the same OPS for his career that Steven Piscotti does. And you mentioned his move to center field a year ago when Ramon mm-hmm. Laureano was out. Right. The most impressive thing to me, John, was his, you know, he, he was able to play there defensively and his offensive numbers did not take a hit at all. Yeah, and that's, a, that's unusual because a lot of times people will let themselves get uh, sucked into the pressure, but, but Canna is able to shake that off for the most part. And I, uh, you know, I just wa- watching him get jumps on balls. Um, mm-hmm. I guess maybe I had thought of him more as a hitter and hadn't paid as much attention to his defense before, but when he was in center, you know, you kept expecting him, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be brutal. And it wasn't brutal. It was, he was, he made, got, he got good jumps. He made decent throws. And, um, you know, now if he's going to, he and Grossman and Pinder are going to fight it out for, uh, for left field. Um, that's, uh, you know, I could see, I could see one of those guys squeezing some, some uh, time out of, uh, out, out in right field. Yeah. Uh, beside Piscotti. Yeah. And, and speaking of, I mean, Piscotti was, was a question to go for the original opening day yeah. uh, with an injury in spring training. It kind of makes you wonder, right? When you look at those three right-handed hitters in particular, if maybe this offseason we see a little bit of wheeling and dealing from Billy Bean, especially given the fact that Marcus Simeon's scheduled to be a free agent, Liam Hendricks is scheduled to be a free agent, and Mike Fires is scheduled to be a free agent. Another thing you wrote about uh, in yeah. terms of the A's kind of window here. Maybe we see one of those guys dealt to, to fill one of those holes. I mean, it's certainly a possibility with Billy Bean at the helm. I think it's a likelihood. I mean, you're going to have to um, – if you want to extend the, uh, the time at the top with guys like uh, Olsen and, and Chapman and, and uh, Murphy and, and uh, Puck, Luzardo, Montas, yeah. if you're going to – you're going to have to bring in some – uh, veteran talent to to plug gaps and and trading trading one or more of those guys is certainly a possibility. But uh, be interesting to see if they make any trades this season. Yeah. Because you're not going to have that much time to make a decision. You know the trade the trade deadline comes after about thirty games, <laughs> and that's like, huh? At thirty games, most guys haven't woken up yet. Yeah. You know? Well, that's, and, and we've heard Billy Bean say time and time again. Listen, you get to the all-star break and you reevaluate. You see what you've got. And you, you kind of really understand what you have as a team in a normal season in the all-star break. It's just going to be really interesting to see how these guys maneuver and jockey and, and try and make decisions in such a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, another thing you wrote about was Chris Davis, obviously. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the A's still were able to win 97 games without Chris Davis really being Chris Davis last year. I know he had the injury in interleague play in May, I think it was, in Pittsburgh. Right. It was never really the same after that. Obviously, the A's gave him an extension. Uh, but there's really less pressure on this guy now with the emergence of this lineup and guys like, like you said, Chapman and Olsen and Simeon. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like there's less pressure on, on Chris Davis to kind of carry the load offensively. Is that the sense you get? Yeah, I, I talked to Chris, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago maybe. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I, we talked about he doesn't want to, he doesn't like the crush nickname. You know, he just says that, that it's doesn't, that's not how he sees himself, but he, he, he sees himself as a, as a guy who can drive in a lot of runs and, and hit, and hit a bunch of home runs, but just doing it his way. And, you know, this is a very important year for him. Um, normally your important year is the last year of your contract. Well, this is the first year of a two-year contract, but um, there's the chance to win, which is more important than, than the chance to make money in, in, in some level. I mean, I wouldn't mind making $15 million. I can say tell you that, but you it seems to be on the immediate horizon. So what are you <laughs> going to do? Uh, the, this current A's window, we, we talked about, you know, pot, you know, the possibility of losing those three guys in, in pre-agency, Simeon, Hendricks, Fires. Maybe one comes back, maybe two, uh, maybe not. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the A's still have a pretty good core in place, obviously, with the starting pitching that you mentioned. I think a full season of Frankie Montas. Uh, you know, I felt like, John, he, you know, after the first two and a half months when he got suspended, he was kind of squarely in the Cy Young picture if he had continued that along. I mean, he was nine and two. He was probably certainly, he was certainly going to be an all-star. We've seen the potential of Lazardo and Puck and uh, a guy like Chris Bassett. Uh, this core that's in place, even after the 2020 season, the A's have been building up to. You get the feeling this core is, is one that will give the A's a chance for the next handful of years even, as long as they stay together? I do. Um, and that's, you know, I've talked about, I've written about the, about, you know, what it would mean to lose uh, fires to free agency after this year. But, but when you have Chris Bassett as, a, as your sixth starter, and this is a guy who made 25 starts last year and, you know, was 10 and five and did a, did a really nice job. If, if you put him in and he's your fifth starter, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. It, it, but you, again, you've got to keep everybody healthy. Mm-hmm. And you look at Pocky, you look at Montas, uh, you look at Manea. These guys have all had health, is, health uh, problems. Every other team in every other city says the same thing, you know, about starting pitching. Keeping them healthy is the hardest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. But these guys, these guys have the potential if they, if they can uh, stay out of the uh, trainer's room. One thing I, I kind of – and a few guys that have played in Stockton recently over the last few years, you know, the fact that Billy Bean didn't go out and acquire a Brett Anderson type, a Trevor Cahill type, is insurance – maybe he feels like his stable of young pitching runs pretty deep to the AAA level with guys like Dalton Jeffries and Grant Holmes and James Caprillion. Normally we see Billy Bean go out and get a guy, you know, a guy like I just mentioned, a veteran who you know will be able to give you some yeah. innings as long as they stay healthy. So maybe he's got some, some confidence in some of the young guns he has at AAA. Oh, I think there's no question. I mean, and guys that, that have, have been in Stockton in recent, recent years are going to be in Oakland. In, yeah. I would think probably this year at some point. As you know, as things happen, uh, the roster will start at 30, then go down to 28 after two weeks, and and um, down to 26 after a month. But you know, there's injuries, there's uh, trades, there's whatever, and you know, if uh, Caprillion or or Jeffries or uh, Dalton, one of those guys, was ready, it wouldn't surprise me in the in the in the least if they uh, made the made the jump all the way up to Oakland. The A's did release their, um, I guess they're calling it summer camp now, yeah. right? Presented by Camping World. Is that what I'm they're hearing? Actually, actually, the A's are calling it the player pool, but 
I call it the summer camp. A bunch of people are calling it summer camp. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't claim to have come up with it, but I like it. So there. Right, and we're recording this on Monday, uh, June 29th, and I thought I saw something where Major League Baseball had branded a summer camp presented by Camping World. But I could be wrong on that. That could be right. You could be. I, the, I, I try to stay away from branding issues. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. That's what I get for, for uh, thumbing through Twitter, John. Uh, uh, the A's did announce their player pool for, for we'll call it spring training 2.0 for now. Uh, not really any surprises, right, in that, that group that's going to be in Oakland. It looks like pretty much the group they had in spring training. Yeah, and that's what I wrote yesterday. But when I, I looked over last night and I went – and I, when I was talking yesterday, I wrote about the players who were on it. And today, this morning, I wrote about a player who wasn't on it, uh, Austin Beck, center yeah. fielder, um, who is um, the first-round draft pick in 2017. Yeah, he's he's only three years out of high school, and he's only 21. Mm-hmm. But most guys from the 2017 um, uh, first round are on 60-man rosters, and he's not. And that's got to be a bit of a problem uh, for for – just telling us that he's not going to be in the big leagues anytime soon. Well, it's interesting, too, because they gave him quite a number of at-bats in spring training in big league games. I mean, when I was there for about a week and a half, I think he appeared in, you know, six of the eight games or something like that that I, that I was there for. Yeah, he, uh, his, his actual numbers were one for 11. So, but he came in a lot at, a lot at the end. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there, it's just – it is what it is, mm-hmm. um, but he's, I think, still considered a talent. He hasn't had the kind of home run pop that you would expect, and, uh, you know, if there was a, a regular season this year, I would have expected he probably him to probably start in Stockton, but, um, you know, that's just me. I know he battled injuries last year. I, I, you know, I know he was starting to warm his bat was starting to warm up a little bit. He had that ankle injury that that kept him out. So it was kind of a little bit of a stop and start 2019. And there, I mean, it's something that's important to note here is the A's are only at 54 players right now. If you include Daniel Mingdon on that list, right? Uh, they still have six spots to fill. So I guess uh, Austin Beck could still be named that 60 player pool. Yeah, technically they have seven spots because Mingdon okay. doesn't count as a spot. But assuming that his spot would go to Mingdon's spot would go to Mingdon then that would be six. Yeah, um, I think uh, if they ever get around to signing uh, uh, Tyler Soderstrom from uh, their, their first-round draft pick, he'll probably be on the on the team, uh, on the squad in, uh, in Stockton. I'm assuming it's going to be in Stockton, although there's some problems apparently with the um, uh, Governor Newsom's mandate about, about closures. Uh, that maybe San Joaquin County uh, is not going to be the easiest place to to do a minor league team. But that being the case, I don't know where else they would do it and still be within 150 mile radius. Right. Um, I mean, I guess theoretically they could do it um, in Berkeley or San Jose or something, but I think that I think that would be unlikely in the extreme. Yeah, that is that is. Kind of ties us back to, to what's going on in Stockton. Um, I mean, originally it was Banner Island Ballpark. I mean, it seemed like that was the, you know, I mean, a pretty turnkey deal for the A's because, I mean, that's their, you know, that's their single-A facility, the Porch of the A's single-A facility. It's a nice facility in Stockton. But now, as you said, with the spike um, in, in COVID cases in San Joaquin County, I, I guess you just kind of told us what 
you know, what, what you're hearing is the fact that it's kind of up in the air. Like the, the, the A's still haven't made a decision yeah. probably I, for the right reason. Yeah. I think the A's want, wanted to be there, want to be there. I think Stockton wants them to be there. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, the people who are going to make the final decision on this are going to be healthcare specialists as they should be. And if, if, if it can't work out well health wise, then that's the way it goes. I want to get back to something you said. Interesting about the the, the players that are going to be training at the at the you know the affiliated site, whatever that's going to be. Do you get the right. feeling that uh, the players on this list, guys like Nick Allen and Dalton, we mentioned Dalton Jeffries, Logan right. Davidson, last year's first round pick, James Caprillion, Tyler Baum, Kyle McCann, other guys like that, that these are guys that the A's expect to be in the big leagues sooner rather than later. Yes. Um, the one the one caveat, maybe not Davidson. Mm-hmm. But I think they just want him to get him out there to get the experience of, of playing professionally. He's only had a half season in the New York Penn League. For, I think he played for Vermont last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I think they just want to keep a guy like that who may have invested all this money in. They want to keep him out there and keep him playing. But while, a little, while I was surprised that Beck wasn't on the list, that being said, I think there's a chance they might put him on the list later on. I know I heard a lot of whispers that uh, people were expecting Logan Davidson to start in Stockton this season. I know Bob Melvin was extremely impressed uh, with with their first round pick from last year, Logan Davidson, at spring training. I heard him, you know, glowing about the guy. Yeah, they they really loved his range, his defense, his arm, um, but he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to hit, and that's going to be uh, a problem. But if you if you play good enough defense. Yeah, uh, they they'll wait for the, your bat to come around. And I, I'm pretty sure they think it will come around. It's interesting that the A's have been loading up so many shortstops and up the middle guys. I mean, just it, it kind of lends to this new age of versatility uh, that we're in right now. Yeah, and I think you look at the at the at the 42 people that are going to show up uh, on Saturday. I mean, well, assuming it's 42, depending on the number of COVID uh, cases they have, but um, there's a lot of versatility there. Um, you know, you talk about Pinder and you talk about Barreto, uh, uh, Tony Kemp, uh, uh, Machine is going to be, is, is there, uh, Mateo. We're talking these about guys, Canna. These all, can all, yeah, Canna can play a lot of positions. Um, these are all guys that can give you a lot of, uh, a lot of different looks, and that's going to make you better. If uh, if if they get the chance, I can't think of a guy that's more built for you know the new extra inning rule and putting a guy on the second base than a guy like Jorge Mateo, who uh, it, it, what I'm told has 80 grades. So I've seen him in person a couple times, but all the scouts say in the 2080 scouting scale, he's got 80 speed, and that that could come into play in a season like this. I think so too, and I, this is a guy I think has has really uh, um, first class uh, potential. And the fact that they're starting with a 30-man roster is really going to help a guy like that. Yeah. You know, I think he makes a 30-man roster. Would he make the 26-man roster if they hadn't had all this? Uh, maybe, but it would have been tougher. I've talked about this on, on, this, on this program before, John. How this kind of came at a good time when it comes to Jorge Mateo, the this decision at second base that the A's were going to have to make because both Mateo and Beretta were out of options. And if right. one of them was going to – they were going to lose one of those two guys or V-Mile Machine, who, as you mentioned, had a good spring. Yeah. 
So this kind of came at a good time, and, and maybe the A's get a little extended look at all three of those guys. Yeah, I think all three of those guys make the 30. Um, one of them won't probably make the 28, I'm guessing. You know, they'll, they'll trim one pitcher and one hitter, I would guess. But, of course, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, somebody goes on the, on the DL. I still call it the DL. I'm sorry. I'm just old school. <laughs> I do, too. It's a, it's a knee-jerk reaction. It really is. Yeah. Uh, hey, I want to end with this. Uh, I, I really enjoyed your, your on this date with, uh, with Mark McGuire and, and, you know, hitting home runs in an A's uniform. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with Mark McGuire hitting home runs in an A's uniform. I'll never forget the day he was traded. Uh, yeah. but it, obviously, it brings to mind Long Gone Summer, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the 30 for 30 the ESPN ran uh, a few weeks ago. What did right. you think of I'm not. I'm sure you got a chance to watch it. What did you think of it? Um, it brought it brought back a lot of memories because I you know I covered him in those years and you know um, it's it's been an up and down time for McGuire since he left the sport, but I think he's in a good place uh, mentally now. Mm-hmm. He likes he likes what he's doing um, and. He's not, he doesn't obsess about the Hall of Fame. And I think if he had my job and I had his job, I would obsess about the Hall of Fame. But, you know, it's, you know, I, I think he's, a, he's, he's in a good spot. It'd be hard not to, right? I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, you have that kind of career and it's left to the, you know, it's, it's, not, it's out of your hands. It's complete. It's probably the first time in his baseball career that, that things, something that significant has been totally out of his hands. Right. Very much so. And, and he's, uh, he's a good guy. Uh, he's uh, not that he hadn't, hasn't made some mistakes, but uh, you know, that, that happens. So what are you going to do? I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, it just, and, and, you know, on NBC California, they've been showing the 89 world series. I watched the mm-hmm. 1990 ALCS. I mean, I, those A's teams were so much fun in, in the late eighties and early 90s. And I don't remember Like I'm too young to remember when that was happening in real yeah. time, but shoot, I grew up with Ricky Henderson, you mm-hmm. know, as, as like my, my favorite player of all time. One of, you know, one of my idols uh, as a kid from Oakland and uh, man, those teams were a lot of fun. They were, and they had a lot of personality and as uh, particularly the 88, 89 teams, you know, with uh, Canseco and Parker. Um, <clears throat> McGuire didn't have as much of a personality then because he was just getting, getting used to it. But uh, you know, they had, they had Lansford and then Rick, Ricky showed up middle of eight, back up in the middle of the 89 season. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that really, when Ricky showed up, that really put it all together for Oakland. Um, Cause they had, uh, at that point they had uh, Walt Weiss who was out for 11 weeks and eight weeks uh, the Eckersley was out and Canseco missed the first half of the season. And they had a good record, but they were sort of running on fumes and, Ricky showed up and all of a sudden they had all the energy they needed. I love it, man. I love Ricky Henderson. Uh, one of the best. John, thanks so much. This has been great. Uh, if you want to follow him, he's at jhickey3 on Twitter. Yes. Uh, and you can, you can find all of his, uh, all of his work on, on SI.com. And John, whenever the Cal League starts again, whenever that is, uh, you've got an open seat right next to me in the press box. I look forward to finally meeting you in person. I'll be there.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. If there are topics or interview subjects you'd like to hear on future episodes, tweet at me, at ajensen86. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms, as well as at our home, anchor.fm slash stockton ports. You can also visit the Ports website at stocktonports.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.